0: Coming up on golf today from the West Coast of Florida, we go, which means we're inching closer and closer to the enormous championships on the men's side of the game. Who are the early favorites at the players in the majors who most needs a big win? We'll toss out some names and fresh off his wire to wire win at Riviera. Joaquin Neiman joins the program to talk the week how the sleeps went as the pressure built and how it changes his perspective on his own game after winning one of the marquee events on the PGA Tour and one of the coolest humans in golf. Julie Inkster stops by to talk receiving the Bob Jones Award. What 2022 will look like for one of the greatest competitors to ever line up a putt and a pebble beach will be on her 2023 schedule. Golf today started up right now.
1: Golf today, brought to you by PointsBet.
0: A live look at PGA National. We are moving to Florida here in 2022. It is Honda Classic Week. We'll get into that and how tough this golf course plays for the professionals. But it is a special day today. As we welcome you into the studio Shane Baker with Eamon Lynch. And Eamon, it is 2 2 2. which if you write that on a card, you're going to win a lot of bets. I ask you, what's the best two ever made in golf?
2: How can it not be Gene Sarazen at the, the Masters, the famous double eagle on the 15th hole or the albatross, depending on the nomenclature that you prefer to use? But I can't imagine there's any that are more historically significant than Gene Sarazen's.
0: I wrote down some twos. The Tiger chip in was one of mine. Tom Watson at Pebble. Of course, another chip in that was very, very famous in U.S. Open history. Ricky at Sawgrass. We see the highlights all the time. He made four twos in his last 10 holes, including three twos on the 17th. So we've seen some great twos in golf history, but I think you're spot on with that. What's this. your best two? Uh, I made a lot of twos because I went a long time without making a one. Luckily, 2021 changed that. But, I mean, I flew it in the hole before and had that bad boy pop out. But this was happening at Pinehurst today. Of course, the most famous two in all of golf is Pinehurst, number two. They're giving out these ball markers not only to people that are going to play the resort today, but also staff, a ball marker with two, 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 two. That is pretty sweet. And Pinehurst, if you want to send a couple of those, two of those markers to a couple of hosts. We will a little definitely. Olympian nod there as well. It looked gold silver and bronze. Gold, right they, there. they know what the year is. They know what the year is. Uh, you know today is a Tuesday. We don't typically have a lot of golf to talk about on a Tuesday Mondays or when we see qualifiers get through any of these events. But did you hear this. We have a 16 for one playoff to get into the, the Honda. This was the Monday qualifiers. We take it through the highlights on a Tuesday. So 16 for one. And you go out there and do something special you don't typically see that busy of a driving range. Amen when it's a playoff for a spot in the Monday qualifier. But that's how many players we had out there. That looks like the audition cue for the bachelor right there. <laughs> I'd say through two episodes. We, we, we you know we let a couple off get out of the mansion and right into it. All right. So 16 for one play in the par five 10th Max Sear here. They split up the group's five five six. He had that putt for an eagle just missing on the right side and he wishes that would have gone in because Rick Lamb must have been lefty day in this playoff lamb for eagle he's the last Monday qualifier to win on the corn Ferry tour right in the heart you had to do something special if you wanted to advance out of 16 professional players lamb with the eagle get some love from his competitors just a few of the names of the 16 in that Monday playoff. Sam Stevens five wins on all pro tour in his last two years he was also a part of that Oklahoma State National Championship team back in 2018 when you talk about how stacked that team was with Victor Hoblin and Matthew Wolf Sam Stevens wasn't even the starting lineup at times throughout the year that's how impressive that Oklahoma State crew was Fabian Gomez of course two time PGA Tour winner and Rick Lamb you see there one on the corn Ferry tour back in 2016 qualified for the 2021 US Open finishing tie for 46 after the Eagle He spoke to our own George Sabarikas. Started the day with a 16-man playoff, and it only took one hole, thanks to Rick Lamb. If you could tell us uh, what you, you were seeing with that eagle putt and how you were able to deliver.
2: Yeah, I just had about 30 or 35 feet breaking down the hill to the left, and really my only thought was just hit it with good speed and give it a chance to go in.
3: You wake up, and, I mean, it's such a gargantuan playoff. I mean, Golf Twitter's kind of buzzing to have it be that large for a Monday shooter to then get in to the Honda Classic. What's the mindset like
4: as you're approaching the par 5 tenth?
2: Um, yeah, w- once I figured out we were playing this hole, I figured somebody was going to make an eagle. It didn't play that hard yesterday. And it, histor- I've played this qualifier a few times, and this hole doesn't ever really play that hard. It's not too long. So I just figured someone's going to make a three. Why not me? So
0: and you're, you're able to get it done. Have you ever been in a playoff anywhere near th- this size and scale?
2: Um, not this size, but importance-wise, I was in a playoff last year to get in the U.S. Open, so similar. I mean, just that experience helps a little bit. Um, but it's, yeah, size-wise, not even close. <laughs>
0: And, of course, one of those events on the PGA Tour that has actually been won by a Monday qualifier throughout the history of the Honda Classic. uh, The only time you ever really see that big of a playoff is at U.S. amateurs. You think about playing into that top 64, that's when you see 10, 12, 15 players going for one or two spots. I'm not sure I can remember 16 for one, Eamon. Shout out to the Congaree logo on
2: his hat there as well. (laughs) I thought you'd appreciate that as a hat of the day, Shane. You know, there's a lot of attention that's given to the glamorous end of this game and what happens on Sunday afternoons. The Hunger Games happens on Monday mornings where it's, it's a real shootout. And that's what the reality of professional golf looks like for most people. These are the successful guys in professional golf who are in there having a shootout for the chance to put food on the table later in the week. And to me, it is often the most dramatic day in the entire golf week. Everyone thinks there's no golf played on Monday. It's often the best day.
0: PGA Tour players LPGA Tour players are going for tournaments and championships and trying to further their careers. But these are the types of names and players that are trying to maybe further their dream. Right. I mean they're trying to extend the hope and the dream of continuing this professional golf because it's not easy to do it. And you see so many players that, that have a chance to do it and maybe even have the game to do it and don't quite get those types of breaks. But we knew it was going to be something special. I said last on Instagram I expected a wedge hold or a nine iron hold. I mean it ended up being an eagle on the par five. But you knew stepping on that tee was going to happen my question is what's the warm-up like what's the warm-up like when you know you're only gonna play one or two holes well our producer
2: this morning was convinced we were going to see a nine-hole playoff <laughs> how could you not with 16 guys out there and then it ends on, on the first hole but to your point it's not just people chasing the dreams it's people who've actually achieved their dreams and are now back here as well because there were at least two uh, pga tour winners in there david lingworth who won the memorial and fabian gomez in that playoff as well so these are guys who have actually achieved victories at the highest level of this game And now they're back in here in a knife fight on a Monday morning.
0: Back to the grind. Well, from the grind to championships we go because we're inching closer and closer to championship season. If you look back in 2021, of course, Justin Thomas was seven back with two rounds to go with the players winning there for the first time. Hideki, first player from Japan to win a men's major championship at Augusta National. Phil Mickelson, the oldest major winner, picking up his sixth Major title in surprising fashion, if you will, at the PGA Championship. John Rom, birdie, birdie finish at the U.S. Open. First player to do that since Tom Watson back in 1982. Colin Morikawa in just his eighth major start, fewest amount of starts to multiple majors since Bobby Jones in 1926. And what an end to the season for Patrick Cantlay, taking home the FedEx Cup in that epic playoff back and forth at the BMW with Bryson the Shambo. And as we look ahead in 2022 to the big, big events on the men's side of things, the players, the masters, the PGA at Southern Hills down in Tulsa, US Open just up the street here at the Country Club, gonna be excited to see that golf course on full display. The Open at where it all started, St. Andrews, the old course, and of course the FedEx Cup playoffs, August 11th through the 28th. And if you think uh, Points Bet was getting really, really creative on who the favorites were for these events, not so much they went with world number one at each and every event to this point John Rahm the favorite of the players the Masters the PGA the US Open the Open and the FedEx so, Hey, John Rahm just got to go out and win all of them that's quite a
2: testament to a guy who actually hasn't won in eight months
0: so as we prepare for this big championship season with the major championships and the players fast approaching in your opinion in your mind who do you feel like needs a big championship season here in 2022 to me it it screams Bryson DeChambeau at this
2: point next week when we get to Bay Hill that will mark one year since Bryson's last victory on the PGA Tour and that iconic moment on the sixth hole which is one of the great moments of the year when he tried to drive it over the lake and did actually successfully drive it over the lake but he hasn't won Since then, he hasn't been in contention at any event since the BMW Championship last August. And it's been a long, dry six months for Bryson. And, and, you know, he's played 21 majors as a professional. He's only ever had one win and one top four. And they were in back-to-back majors at Wingfoot and Harding Park two years ago. To me, it seems as though he's in a bit of a precarious position right now. The results aren't there. The distractions have been plentiful. And the body is occasionally showing signs of stress. I mean, he withdrew, well, he missed the cut, actually, at the Farmers uh, at Torrey Pines, and he looked as though he was playing injured. He withdrew from the Sony Open because he was injured, went to Saudi Arabia, withdrew over there, and came back and is now rehabbing. So he's pretty much on a very placid trajectory right now. He needs to show a little bit more than he's shown because he makes a lot of noise and gets a lot of oxygen, and a lot of it's deserved. But right now, it's not
0: deserved for his play. It's been very interesting to know kind of think about Bryson in 2022 versus the way we were talking about him at this time last year because he was the story in golf in early 2021 the way he played at Bay Hill the way he played at the players kind of heading into the Masters. I think all of us had him near the top in terms of a favorite there at Augusta National and it has been surprising to see this bit of a fall off in terms of Bryson's golf game because he was leaning so much on the driver and the putter and those two tools were so dominant in professional golf. It seemed like when he'd get to these major championships he was going to show up because those seem to be right now in modern golf the things you got to do to succeed and he is one of the great polarizing debate topics in this game and it's interesting
2: when you compare his statistical performance and his record before he bulked up to after he bulked up there's really no difference between it he didn't achieve greatly other than obviously one is major but his win rate was not any different as, as a big guy than it was as a leaner Guy And clearly his body seems to be, I'm sure he would argue his body is more capable of withstanding the stresses uh, of physical activity in this game. But, you know, he's certainly showing more signs of, of injury of late than he had been before. And he's a little too prone to the distractions, whether it's social media feuds or if it's the long drive contest, things like that. I think if Bryson, now that this sort of splinter tour league idea is kind of seems to be dead... If it's one less distraction, hopefully that he has to worry about and can actually focus himself on the business at
0: hand. Well, I want to start with John Rahm. I mean, it's surprising to think world number one needs to prove himself, especially coming off a year where he won his first major championship. But what we have seen in modern golf, what we're seeing from the modern players, you get these windows, and these windows are not lengthy. And John Rahm seems to be currently in that window in that time where he can be dominant as a professional golfer the work is there he's got the time and he seems to have the energy put forth to be consistent in terms of his finishes when you look top eight in all four majors last season including the win but looking at these windows I mean Rory McIlroy 2012 to 2016 he got three majors four FedEx Cup titles he had two WGC's two DP worlds and they took home a FedEx Cup as well you think about Jordan Spieth 15 to 17 he won 10 times including three major championships. Justin Thomas, 17 to 19, nine wins, a major two FedEx Cup events, a WGC and a FedEx Cup title. And of course, Brooks Kepka, who went on that run where it seemed like he was going to win every major championship and that has dried up a bit for Kepka. Right now, it seems like that window for John Rahm. And so if you're going to take home those two or three major championships, this seems to be the time for Rahm to do that. And coming off the momentum of 2021, I would expect him to get in the hunt at these major championships in 2022. You look at the golf courses, they seem to ask the right questions of John Rahm in turn of leaning on the driver and of course every golf course is asking great ball striking each and every year no matter the decade no matter the generation i feel like right now it's a time for john rahm to maybe snag another major in 2022 yeah and i'm sure he has his target set on that as well it was it was a very interesting up and down year for john
2: rahm last year obviously he had that great win at torrey pines but there was a disappointment of the memorial when he had a six stroke lead and had to withdraw so he doesn't have as many trophies as the mantle, on the mantle as his game probably warranted last year but he's also let's bear in mind he's not getting much sleep these days either <laughs> he's still got a newborn he's home. got help come on there's a night <laughs> nanny around there's people around to help I'm sure it's still a little bit of a distraction in there as well he's also seemed a little more testy on the golf course this year I've seen a few more outbursts from him and I've never really bought the argument that John Rahm has completely put a lid on the temper I think that's actually a positive for John Rahm in a lot of ways not necessarily so much for people who are playing with him but, yeah, he's a guy that I would think would look to a strong year. And look how he started this year. He shot the lowest score for 72 holes in the history of the PGA Tour, except the one guy <laughs> who shot a lower score in the century this
0: so year. So close. you got to beat that one guy. Phil Mickelson is still talking about that moment at Rural Troon. And, of course, Rory McIlroy really needs to be brought up every time we have this discussion, considering there have now been 20 different players that have won a major championship since his last major title we will always talk about Rory McIlroy because we expect so much of him and I think we all consider Rory to be a major factor and to consider Rory who made winning major championships so easy earlier in his career to always be that factor. So for Rory McIlroy, we know the expectations are there. We talk about it all the time on this show, but Rory is going to be judged by one thing and one thing only. And it is those events we showed on the screen earlier.
2: Yeah, and Unfortunately for Rory and to a lesser extent, a guy like Jordan Spieth, he's been judged against the player. He was as a younger, more fearless competitor with fewer distractions in life. And you look at the old course this year as a perfect example of the highs and lows of Rory McIlroy's career. In 2010, he opened there with 63 in the first round and then in the wind the next day shot 80 and then couldn't even play in 2015, could not defend his open title that he'd won at High Lake because of a football injury. So it's, uh, yeah, he's another guy who's really looking for something to prove. But I would guess that Rory McIlroy's eyes are set very firmly on the first major. The other
0: three, they're a bit of a bonus. Yeah, he knows what comes. The jacket looks like Eamon's sweater if you win that bad boy. All right, speaking of major championships, Brooks Kepka. He's a South Florida guy coming off a missed cut at the Genesis, but did have a runner-up finish at the Honda back in 2019. What do we want to see from Brooks Kepka this week, and where does he sit in terms of the odds to win? We'll dive into Kepka next.
1: golf today brought to you by points bet this season don't just bet live your bet life and Wing grips the best grips in golf and bushnell golf and the pro xc experience the best and by liberty mutual insurance only pay for what you need
4: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy
6: gem of a detour. Do you you think you can get
4: even better than you were in 2018, which I assume was 2018, 2019, was peak Brooks Kapka. Do you think you can... Elevate to even higher than that. That wasn't peak.
7: That wasn't peak. That wasn't peak. Just wait.
0: Gotta be honest, Damon. Still waiting. This at the Genesis invitational last week second round. He missed the cut that at the par three fourth. Missed it for par. That was a bogey. Now at the par four seventh. Excuse me, the ninth hole. That is a seven. All over the place here. Similar situation putting downhill for par. Another wide right. You know what? I missed the cut on the shot sheet. I missed the shot sheet, Chuck. Cut. Check out the odds to win the Honda Classic. Courtesy of our pals at PointsBet. Sung Jae, the favorite. Daniel Berger there as well. And you go down the list before you find Brooks Kapka's name. And that is something that we noticed. A bit surprising considering He's a name he's played well at this event before a look at how he's played at the Honda Classic throughout the years you see missed cut in 17 nearly won in 19 and missed the cut in 2020. That's a little bit of what this golf course does to you as well. Amy.
2: Yeah it really is a bit of a meat grinder out here in terms of if you're a little bit off with your game this is not the course where you're actually going to find it out there and kept is in kind of a strange position with his game right now. He he's split. Ways with Claude Harmon, his longtime coach, at the end of 2020. And he's no longer working with Pete Cowan, who was a short game coach. So he's kind of doing it himself. And the numbers aren't really supporting him right now. If you look at his strokes gained off the tee, he's 99th on the PGA Tour. Last year he was 7th, but he's never been outside the top 30 in his entire career in that category. And a strokes gained approach, he's 136th. Last year he was 25th. And even if you look at his approximate or leave or proximity to the hole on on wedge distances from 150 and in he's typically hitting it twice as far away from the hole as the tour leader is in those categories so he seems the ball striking isn't quite there the putting kind of comes
0: and goes but the ball striking is a few notches below where we're accustomed to seeing it it's what's won him major championships the ball strike and always impressive i mean you could look at that the odds list and be surprised at a bit because of brooks kapka the name but when you look at the odds to win the super bowl next year and as popular as the Dallas Cowboys are there's a reason they're sixth on that list by according to points bet and that's cuz the Dallas Cowboys aren't a top 5 team right now and Brooks Kepka right now is not playing the type of golf that deserves a top 2 or 3 spot in terms of the odds we've seen him really really struggle with the consistency and that is something you see from great players when they're playing great golf they're consistently not just near the top of the leaderboard but they're making weekends and they're not struggling and i've brought this up a lot over the last year you know Brooks Kepka who was so good on Saturdays and Sundays at the biggest events has struggled on Sundays I mean just think about the last time we really saw him in contention at the WM Phoenix Open and on Sunday on the front nine when it seemed like it was a bit up for grabs Brooks Kepka did not make a birdie now the back nine was a bit of a roller coaster ride and we saw some birdies and we saw some bogeys but when he needed to kind of you know put himself out there and go I'm that I'm the defending champion of this event I'm the name here I'm the guy that you should all chase down he wasn't able to make those birdies that could push some people off the leaderboard so right now I'd say that makes sense to me is where Brooks Kepka is on the list. Yeah, and we saw a little of that last year as well, even in
2: in the majors. We saw it particularly at Kiowa Island, everyone kinda of figured that he was gonna chase down the old man in Phil Mickelson on Sunday afternoon and it didn't happen. Kepka seemed to stay in neutral all day long. He made a great charge on Sunday at Tory Pines, but basically just kinda of ran out of holes at the end and overreached on the last couple of holes, I think. But he still has a, a top five attitude. Right. Which in, is important in, in that sense. And a probably top two belief himself out there and we saw it in that comment there where he said it's not peak well if you've gotten four majors and you put yourself in contention almost every major championship over the course of that three season span and you don't think that's your peak Well, then, I suppose if you didn't think that was your peak, you probably shouldn't be out there anyway. All of these guys will tell you their best days
0: are ahead. Even we think our best days are ahead. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know if I think so, but I think you definitely have better days ahead for sure, Eamon. I I will say that about Brooks. One of my favorite things about Brooks is the fact that he always believes in himself, and he will tell that to everybody that will listen. Even if you don't ask him a question about it, he'll tell you that I'm here to win. Everybody should be chasing me. I'm the bad guy on the block, and he has been. I mean, he has been in these major championships. When other players will, Bruce Kepka has throughout his career been the guy that rises up. When it's the most intimidating moment, when it's the biggest. Of stages and there are moments where he's faltered but when you think about the situations where he's been around the lead and he's had big names chasing him. I mean I always go back you know to the PGA Championship when Tiger started to chase him. Imagine the crowds and how loud it was and Kepka just didn't bother him and he was a guy I'd say one of the few people alive either a a past player or a present player that could handle that type of situation. But right now currently in 2022 Kepka is not playing the consistent golf that I'd say we maybe expect out of a top five or top 10 player. And, you know, he's made the comments about being top you know, 20th in the world and being embarrassed by that fact. But right now, that's kind of who he is.
2: Well, he's trying to avoid a little bit more embarrassment this week because Chase Kepke, his brother, is also in the field this week. And, you know, Brooks Kepke is one of these guys who prides himself on playing tough courses really well, Shane. And courses don't come any tougher than what we have this week with the PGA National at uh, the Champions course there for the Honda Classic. It's the real meat grinder on the PGA Tour with the bear trap. And we're going to talk about just how difficult it is when we come back.
4: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Back on Golf Today, PGA Tour has arrived on the East Coast for the first event of the Florida Swing. Coverage of the Honda Classic from PGA National kicks off Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern right here just leave your tv on from now until thursday it'll be on there right at 2 p.m eastern time it's a tough golf course it beats up the best in the world a look at how it's played the last six seasons this includes amen major championship courses as well pga national in terms of course difficulty you see second in 2018 third in 2026 last year it's a bear it is a bear and that's why it's the 2017 bear was a breeze though. It was only the 16th most difficult <laughs> course on tour play it all day. Oh, let's welcome in Paige McKenzie for a deeper dive on the numbers this week Paige, And the first question is who plays well in the state of Florida.
8: Yeah, and the importance of this question is the grasses are different. Uh, Potentially wind is more difficult, Uh, potentially a flatter golf course, less tree line than somebody, say, from the northeast or northwest. So I wanted to look at exactly who has had success in this state. And at the very top of the list is Tommy Fleetwood. Incidentally, he's had the most strokes gained total success at this golf course of the players playing in the field as well. And you'll see an other, a few other familiar names, Sung J M, who's also played well here, Louis Oosthuizen, who's played well in the state of Florida. But the reason why I want to focus in on Tommy Fleetwood is he's played two times at this golf course, a third place finish in 2020, a fourth place finish in 2018. But the state of his game has deteriorated a bit over the last several years. Back in 2018, When you looked at his ball striking, his strokes gained approach, 34th on the PGA Tour, strokes gained T to green in the top 10. A very similar story, maybe a slight decline the following season, 2018, 2019 season. But then you saw a big shift in his ball striking uh, starting in that 2020 season and a little slight improvement in the following year. It is worth noting though, his worst ball striking year in that 2020 season he did get a third place finish here. He was tied for fifth, T to Green. It was the very best ball striking performance of that season. So maybe there's something that strikes his eye about this golf course that brings out the best in him, even if season long his ball striking's not where he wants it to be. He's performed well on this golf course.
2: Paige, this golf course doesn't really have the reputation of being the kind of place where someone is gonna show up and find their game if they don't bring up with them who who plays tough courses well
8: it's, it's a great question because we know that the scoring the winning score at this golf course over the last 10 years hasn't been better than minus 12. so I wanted to look at what players perform good on golf courses that test them the most and at the top of this list there's a few players that haven't got a very large sample size because again the PGA Tour tends to be a low scoring tour but Louis Oosthuizen stands out and we know he's performed well in major championships, which which also tend to have a higher scoring. Patrick Reed, another player that tends to to play well on more difficult golf courses. I think one of the things that I'm looking at when it relates to this week in particular is knowing that this golf course does reward very good ball strikers. Uh, When you look at why PGA National is a difficult golf course, it's ranked Three out of the last four years in the top 15% most difficult greens to hit in regulation. In addition to that, and I think this is the key here, it's also ranked three out of the last four years in the top 15% of scrambling. So difficult to hit the greens, but then if you miss the greens, difficult to get up and down. So certainly a premium on ball striking this week.
0: Paige, diving into the numbers, giving you some names to look at this week at the Honda. We'll check back with you. In a bit. And Eamon, as a person that likes to see the best in the world suffer at times, is this one of your favorite weeks? Absolutely. I love seeing those microphones behind <laughs> beside the
2: water ponds there on, on 15 and 17 and on 16 as well. I love to hear that plop sound, Shane. But it, it, it really is. A, this golf course is kind of like getting into the ring with a with Vander Holyfield, without a mouth guard and without a cup. I mean, you're, just, you're getting brutalized out there. As a, a friend of mine likes to describe it as a kind of course that only a masochist would like, you know, 50 shades of bogey. Right. Because that's what we're going to see out there all week long and you know we saw the statistic earlier on how this golf course ranks in terms of difficulty on the pga tour and we can pull up a graphic and show you just how difficult it ranks in terms of the number of double bogeys or worse out there and then look in 2016 the only course that served up more doubles was oakmont for the us open in 2018 the only course that played tougher all year was shinnecock and in that 2021 season the only courses that played tougher were the two major venues in windfoot and kiowa island so this is a golf course that a lot of guys will steer clear up because it's a little too early in the season to get battered around quite this
0: much. You don't want to get yelled at by TSA at 6 a.m., right? You'd rather have that around noon. You know, when I close my eyes, this is kind of the golf course that I think about when I think about Florida golf. I mean, it's yeah. tough. There's water all over the place. And if a regular golfer is going to go out there, they're going to lose a dozen golf balls. I mean, that is going to happen. And it is a reminder that golf courses play into the difficulty of what we see from the professional golfer. Because as polished as all these guys are, and as good as they hit it, you're going to find trouble here at PJ National.
2: Yeah, it's a... From a recreational standpoint, it's a fairly joyless golf experience, but a lot of people do actually want to go out there and measure themselves on the course that really slaps around level players all the time and you know it's the same reason that people go to Beth Page Black because you know you enjoy hitting three woods into par fours all day long. Well you're going to get that experience trying to get up and down from the Gator Ponds
0: over in PGA National as well. Yeah running marathons doesn't exactly seem fun but people do it. This seems like kind of a marathon week and you have to understand that going in and when you see the players that have success year in and year out at this golf course, it is the type of players that Paige mentioned. It's the type of players that can find these greens when nobody else can. It's the type of players that can play well in the wind. And I was not surprised by some of the names on that list that play well on these tough golf courses. Everybody would expect to see a name like Patrick Reed, who can get it up and down out of a trash can. Everybody's expecting to see Brooks Kepka's name on that list, who's a guy that wants the golf course to be as hard as possible. And even Louis, who is one of the all time best ball strikers over the last 10, 15 years in professional golf. Ball-striking plays when the winds are up and the courses are tough. And you
2: can't underestimate what confidence you take away from winning at this golf course. I mean, you look back all the way back to Todd Hamilton, who will join us in the show later, Rory McIlroy. They both won here in years where they went on and won a major championship later in the year. Because if you can survive this golf course,
0: you've got control of your game. This is great major prep. We'll see what happens this week as the players prepare for the Honda.
2: The USGA's Bob Jones Award is given annually to someone who exemplifies personal character, respect for the game, values that can seem unfashionable these days. We're gonna talk to the 2022 recipient of the award, the great Julie Inkster. And speaking of past champions, Todd Hamilton won the Honda Classic and went on to win a major championship in the same year. He'll join us for a stroll down memory lane. And Pebble Beach has seen some truly epic golf shots, including the driver off the deck on the 18th by Shane Bacon that didn't actually land on Pebble Beach. we we'll celebrate the 103rd birthday of America's most iconic course as Golf Today continues.
1: Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet.
0: I'm not sure there's more hope Over a golf shot than the second or third at Pebble Beach on the 18th. I mean, it's just so beautiful, and the ocean's there, and people are watching, even if they care nothing about golf. And my goodness, that thing went left.
2: Is it delusional, Hope, though, when you're standing in the 18th fairway with a driver in your hand, Shane?
0: <laughs> Most of my game is delusional at best. So Was yes, it persimmon or I was it natural? I was a real metal driver. You know, we were out there having a bit of fun, and I was trying to find the green. Uh, I found something. I'm sure there's algae down under that water that I found. But, yes, it was a, an interesting choice. It did not work out.
2: Well, if there's, is there a prettier hole in America to pump one into the ocean than the 18th at Pebble?
0: I mean, I found water at 16 at Cyprus as well. A very beautiful place to also make a double. But yes, uh, that double at Pebble was very, very fantastic.
2: The 16th at Cyprus is like another beautiful par 5 out That's there.
0: exactly right. Well, Julie Inkster was announced Friday by the USGA as the 2022 Bob Jones Award recipient. The award considered the USGA's highest honor and presented annually since 1955 is given to persons who exemplify character, respect, and sportsmanship in the game of golf and demonstrate the exemplary personal traits of Jones. Per a USGA release, Inkster was selected in part because of her passionate spirit and the high esteem she continues to garner throughout the game. USGA CEO Mike Wan jumped on social media and said, a true hero of our game, honored to call Julie Inkster a Bob Jones Award winner, one of the best players in the game, one of the best captains in Solheim Cup history, and one of the best human beings I've ever met. Notable recipients over the years of the Bob Jones Award go back to 1955. It was Francis, Francis We Met, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Ben Hogan, Nancy Lopez, my goodness, Mickey Wright, Annika Soren stand back in 2012, and Julie adds her name to the list here in 2022. And I've got good news for everybody. Julie Inkster is joining the program right this <laughs> Second with an awesome sweatshirt on might I add Julie Inkster first a huge congrats on the Bob Jones Award. Did you know this was coming? What was the reaction when you got the call?
7: I thought they had the wrong number. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) Uh, Stu Francis called me about uh, I two months ago and said that uh, I was going to be the recipient of the Bobby Jones. And I mean. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would uh, earn that award. But I think as you get uh, older and later in your career, and and, uh, you look back, and to be able to say that you're a Bobby Jones winner uh, goes right up there on top. I mean, he exemplified everything what golf is about. And, you know, I just try to live my life, um, you know, the way Julie Inkster lives it. And to be able to do that and win an award is uh, remarkable.
2: Julie when you look at some of the past names in that list even your predecessors on the LPGA tours, Annika Louise Suggs Mickey Wright they're all there what does it feel like to be in that company on this kind of award
7: surreal i mean you know those are uh, the women that made um the LPGA i mean you look at uh, you know Mickey Wright and Babe Zaharias even going back further um, i mean these are all uh, ladies i looked up to and and respected and um respected not only their golf games but the people uh, who they are as people so um, you know and I think that's a big part of of this award is you know who you are as a person and and how you um, try to grow the game and 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 honor the game
0: Julie I've called you one of the coolest people in golf for a number of years I call you a friend when you think about your own golf game when you think about your own career looking back who was Julie Inkster the player
7: well Shane you know me very well um, I probably never did anything the best and never drove the ball the best never putted the best but I, I think I was a really good grinder um, you know I never gave up um, I always had a passion for the game and I always thought that you know somewhere along the line I would make a swing or make a putt to get me going and so that's why I never gave up um, I, I, I think I was just a grinder.
2: Julie, you played your first USGA event, I believe, at the 1978 U.S. Women's Open in Indianapolis. Does this feel like coming full circle in terms of your relationship with the USGA, having won five of their titles?
7: Uh, yes. I mean, you know, as a, an American, you always want to win your national championship. And to be able to say that I won five of them is is pretty incredible for someone that just kind of uh, fell into the game, uh, getting being a cart girl at Pasatiempo, and then going on to San Jose State, and, and then going on the tour, and, and uh, never in my wildest dreams I thought I could uh, one accomplish what I accomplished, and uh, being a mom on tour, and and um, I mean I look back on it, and I, it's just it's been an unbelievable ride, and you know for someone that never really thought they'd be a golfer, uh, here I am.
0: Julie, we had Anika on yesterday, I asked her who the modern player that she sees herself in the most. You get the same question. Who is the modern day Julie Ingster?
7: Ooh, that's a great question. Ah, um, oh boy, I would say Nellie Corda. Um, she's well, she's got a lot better swing than I ever had. but <laughs> she's she's a grinder and she wants to be number one and and she never gives up and she's got a lot of fire in her her belly. So um, I hope Nellie doesn't take offense to that, but uh, <laughs> I, I see a lot of my uh, attitude and dis- disposition in her. Well, we
2: asked Annika yesterday about coming back to play this year's U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. You just described yourself as just a cart girl from Pasatiempo. Is the cart girl from Pasatiempo thinking that there could be another go at the U.S. Open in her future?
7: Well, I always wanted to play Pebble. You know, it's right up the road for me. Um, you know, I'll see where my game is. I might try to qualify next year. But you know, I think Annika is at a point in her career where you know her kids want to see her play golf. And you know, I was fortunate enough that my kids got to see me play golf. And I think it's great um, for her to come out and and compete. And you know, she's determined. She uh, wants to be the best, uh, whether she's retired ten years ago or come back. So. I think it's great that her kids are going to be able to watch her do what she does.
0: Julie, I know it's Inkster wedding season right now, but I wanted to ask about your golf schedule for 2022. When will we see you, when will we see you out on the golf course?
7: That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I might play San Diego. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I'll definitely play the senior stuff. I might play a couple LPGA stuff, but uh, um, we're going to get another wedding out of the way, and then, and then we'll see what happens.
0: All right, on a confidence scale of one to Julie at the 99 U.S. Open, where do you sit right now with the Warriors in another championship?
7: Oh, 100. percent High we're gonna, confidence. We're, 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 we're going to get Wiseman. We're going to get Draymond Green back. We got 23 games left. We're all going. We're going to roll.
0: You're not locked in though. You don't at least you don't know how many games left on the NBA <laughs> schedule. If you think Julie doesn't care about her sports, Julie, congrats on the award. <laughs> We're so pumped to get a chance to talk to you and celebrate you. You're one of the greats.
7: Thanks, guys. We really miss you. Gene, all the best. See you
0: guys. Julie Inkster. Well, speaking of Pebble Beach, as you mentioned, time to check in on this date in golf history back in 1919. Pebble Beach officially opened on this day. You know how much green fees were? It was two bucks if you were a gentleman, it was a dollar fifty if you were a lady. Slightly more in 2022.
2: It is. I believe Jaime Diaz still has his actual receipt from that day when he played Uh-oh. the opening round.
0: Jaime's not even here to defend himself and just throwing grenades his way. But I'm going to see him later. Look at the venues of the U.S. Women's Open through 2027. Pine needles this year. Pebble and 23. You see Aaron Hills in 25. <coughs> Riv and 26. What an unbelievable lineup we have and you, for that great championship. And you stretch that out even farther, and
2: Marion's on that list, and Oakmont's on that list, and you know we keep having this conversation, but venues do matter. And you can even... It, it matters in the men's game as well. You go back to the 1987 PGA Championship was held here at PGA National, and it was widely mocked at the time as sort of unbecoming of, of a major championship at the time. And venues carry weight they add gravitas to an event. We saw it when the women's AIG British Open started to be played at the old course. We will see it this summer when it's played at Muirfield. It absolutely matters what stage you put the best actors on.
0: Well, we have a chance to watch a great venue and I'd say an underrated venue for the U.S. Women's Open this year in Pine Needles. It's a great golf course, a classic golf course has had some unbelievable championships there as well. What are you most excited about when we get to Pine Needles? It really is a terrific old
2: Donald Ross course that has been recently restored over the last couple of years. And Kelly Miller, who runs Pine Needles, one of the great guys in golf, he's the son-in-law of Peggy Kirkbell, who was one of the iconic figures in women's golf. She was a teacher, Hall of Fame teacher, for a very long time and is
0: now in the World Golf Hall of Fame. This place just drips history down there. Annika won in 96, Corey Webb in 01, Christy Kerr in 07. And in 2019, they had the U.S. Senior Women's Open, Helen Alfredson, won that as well I would say champions at times tell the story of these types of golf courses and those are about as good as you're going to come across
2: yeah you don't get any kind of one-time wonders popping up to win (laughs) at a place like pine needles because it tests your patience and your imagination as much as anything I mean some of the contours on those greens are every bit the rival of what you see down the street at number two
0: we're of course excited for 2022 the world very excited for 2023 and the U.S. Women's Open going to Pebble Beach Paige McKenzie joins us and Paige as excited as we were to hear the news of Pebble Beach getting a U.S. Women's Open how excited were you to hear that news how excited are the players to get to Pebble in 23.
8: Yeah, The announcement came in 2017, and honestly, I don't remember the other golf courses that were announced during that time because all eyes were focused on Pebble Beach, the first time ever that the USGA had hosted a women's U.S. Open on this golf course, a golf course that, let's be honest, it's on everybody's bucket list. It's the most accessible, most recognizable public golf course in the United States. So I think when it comes to not only the professional golf history, but where it lies in American golf history, uh, every player wants to be able to play it. I think that's why you hear Julie Inkster saying, hey, I might try to qualify so I can go play at a golf course where she has had memories watching the Tom Watson watch, or excuse me, Tom Kite and uh, Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods and all of these great players. Uh, that have played this golf course in the men's game uh, be able to stack up their game on what is an iconic golf course
0: iconic golf course beautiful golf course so much history there at Pebble Beach can't wait to get there in 2023 and Eamon it brought up a question as we were thinking about Pebble Beach and how excited we are for the U.S. Women's Open there next year what is the best 36 hole day you got a car you don't have a whole bunch of gas in it you can go to two golf courses what's the best 36 hole day for someone to get around and play.
2: Twice on my birthday, I've managed to do the old course and King's Barnes, as 36-hole as days. But I think there's also great fun to be had, in where you don't actually have to leave the property at all. Sunningdale in London right. may be the greatest 36-hole venue anywhere. Wingedfoot, not far from here, is pretty good also as well. as
0: well. Bay and the Dunes, you don't have to leave in a car, just get in a shuttle. I have Cypress and Pebble near the top of my list, of course, Marion, Pine Valley, as well, you know, St. Andrews and Muirfield. I mean, getting a chance to play the old course and then driving some hour, hour and a half away and play Muirfield, play two. Courses on the open road, of, but of course, this is up for debate. I mean, I rode down Shinnecock National, the Country Club Myopia, Rural Melbourne, and Kingston Heath, uh, where I grew up, Marshall Lakeside, and Oaklawn. I mean, that's a that's a drive you can make to play two excellent golf courses in East Texas. The list goes on.
2: That's a lot of courses you're going to have to call ahead and call in a favor
0: Very much so. You better know somebody. Well, we threw it up on social media as well. You got a vehicle, you got to be able to drive around and play these golf courses. Where would you play two courses, one day, one car, minimal amounts of gas? Send in your thoughts. We'll throw up the best on the show here in just a bit. We promised you Joaquin Neiman. He just won on the PGA Tour wire to wire at Riviera. He's ready for an interview, he's ready for all the tough questions that Eamon's going to throw his way. We'll talk with Joaquin when we return.
1: Golf Today. Brought to you by points bet this season don't just bet live your bet life and by the new Ping glide forged pro wedges get fit today. Golf central update brought to you by Callaway golf.
0: It was quite a performance at the Genesis Invitational. Joaquin Neiman. He was leading on Thursday. He was leading on Sunday evening. Two-stroke victory, won his second PGA TOUR title. First since 2019. Just the fourth wire-to-wire winner at the tournament in its history. First since Charlie Sifford back in 1969. You know who was excited about it? President's cup captain on the international side, Trevor Immelman. Where are you, Trevor? Looks very, very comfortable and cozy. Said he was watching the leaderboard closely. Must have been on his phone, right? He's got the data plan for the iPad you think he's got reason to feel confident these days. Five players six wins from the international players expected to be on that team already this season including of course Joaquin Neiman who joins us now and Joaquin there is winning and there is going wire to wire to win first to do it on the PGA Tour since Pebble in 2020. Can you take us through the mental grind each night and how much heavier the pressure felt from Friday to Saturday. And finally, get it done on Sunday.
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Thursday and Friday was two different days. I played an amazing golf. I was killing the ball amazing. Obviously, I wasn't feeling that pressure right there on the first two days of having the lead. And, yeah, I mean, they, uh, after we, we get to the weekend, Saturday was an was interesting day. I was playing with uh, JT and Cameron. It was it was a good battle. I mean, uh, it was Saturday it was great. I mean, I had a good stretch during the round. I didn't start too good, and then and then got it, get it going mid on mid on the middle of the round. And then Sunday Sunday was a really long day. It was it took forever. It felt that if that that weekend felt like it was a month. But yeah, I was I was so happy to get it done. And I yeah holding the leader the way the way I managed myself on the course. So it was. It was awesome. It was an awesome victory.
0: Joaquin, where did you rank that birdie on the eighth on Sunday in terms of important holes you played in your career?
6: Yeah, that was a big, big birdie there. After making bogey on number seven and didn't make birdie on number one, it wasn't a a hot start that I wanted it to. So doing that birdie on number eight and Cameron also made bogey there. So it was a two-shot switch. Uh, It it helped me a lot to, to get a... You know, get the body, start moving better, uh, start hitting the ball better and start making birdies. And I hit a a great, on number nine, I hit a great driver, a great second shot. And then on 11, everybody, I mean, I I make a nice chip in after missing a short putter on number 10. So that was nice. And having that bigger gap after 11, playing 12, 13, 14 and 15, they are really tough holes at Riviera. It was it was nicer knowing that I have a, a bigger gap. Joaquin, now you're two months into the year. You've got
2: to win. You're in the top twenty in the official world golf rankings. Does that make you reset your goals for the rest of the year from what they may have been starting out?
6: Yeah. After after I finished the season last year, I mean, I knew I I I can do a lot better. I I know I can be a, a lot higher in the world ranking, and I it was. I knew it was just a matter of time. I mean, we always talk with my team, with my psychologist, my coach. We we like talking about this stuff. How the way I was feeling on the golf course this week compared how I was feeling a year ago. It, it's such a big difference that I that I I was feeling that you know that I I have the confidence, I have the game. I I, I need to put myself there and know that I'm I'm good enough to be competing and winning tournaments out here. So. Winning Riviera, I think, is going to help me a lot of what is going to be coming next.
0: Joaquin, we hear so much of the PGA Tour being totally individualized. Guys have their teams and their bubbles. You walk off the 18th green, you've got Sergio and Johnny Vegas, Carlos Ortiz, all there to celebrate with you. Is there more of a support (laughs) system than maybe we think about when we think about the PGA Tour?
6: Yeah, it's, I mean, having those guys on my side is the best thing that happened to me since I got to the tour. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Having the support of somebody like Sergio that he helped me a lot during my career since I got to the PA Tour, probably a little before that. Uh, you know, how how good Sergio's been with me, having all, all Unify, all the Latinos, I mean, Carlos there, Mito, Sebastian, Johnny, Abraham, I mean, all the Latinos there we got a nice group where we we rent houses together and we'll stay together, we'll have fun during the week and it just makes our lives easier and more fun, you know. Is is we 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 play 30 weeks a year and we all all we think about is golf, golf, golf. When you get frustrated it's nice you go back home and have a, a little chat with a little chat with your friends and have fun, you know. When you're playing good it's the same. Try to forget a little bit of what's going on during the tournament. So I'm really happy to have a group of friends that I, like I do, and I think they're really happy, too, also, that we are all so unified.
2: Speaking of the rest of your team, Joaquin, you spent a lot of time in the last year and a half working on your putting with Stephen Sweeney. I keep rejecting Stephen's offers to help me with my game. What has he done for your game over the last year and a half?
6: <laughs> yeah, it's helped me a lot. I mean, You've you seen that picture he posted on Instagram that I reposted it also because I was impressed. I mean, at that time, when you showed me a video of me patting, I didn't recognize, I mean, it, it doesn't look any good how I was standing on the ball. It was looking tiny, narrow. Like, you felt that it was a little bit of wind. I would start moving, you know. And, yeah, you, lo- you look at it now, and it's just a totally different setup. Uh, it feels, I mean, the main thing we change on the potter is just have a, a great balance over the ball. I used to lean to both sides to both sides when I was hitting the ball before. So working on that tried to keep my my head still on the through the impact. So yeah there's a lot of things that we're working on it. And Swin is, is he's really dedicated on his job and we we have compliment really really well of the two of us.
0: Joaquin you're trying to win Riviera wire to wire and you've got names like Colin Murakawa and Adam Scott and Victor Hovland and Justin Thomas chasing you on Sunday were you looking at leaderboards Were you staying in your own world. What's it like when some of the best in the world are out there making birdies and trying to catch you.
6: Yeah I gotta say it felt different this time. I mean I remember obviously this is my my fourth year here and I remember my first two years where every time I have a nice pairing with Dustin or Justin or any guy that was you know top of the world. I always be playing there and kind of like enjoying watching them you know it was it was such a different mindset and now I feel that I was there and all I wanted to do it was it was beat them he was trying to do better than them and I think that was my main goal that it was going on in my head he was trying to stick on my game try to stay on, on on my bubble you know having my chats with my caddy on the course not worry about what's going on outside and I think we did a good job on that
2: well, you managed to tear up one of the what is typically the most difficult courses on the PGA Tour and this week you're at what is always one of the toughest courses on the PGA Tour at PGA National. You've played it three times. You were top 25 the last time you played there. How tough is it and are you more confident of a better result this time around?
6: Yeah, this is one of the toughest courses we play during the year. Uh, Here in Florida it's going to be windy like you guys see now. Uh, It's going to be fast. So yeah, this is I like courses like this where, the, you know, where, the way, where they don't win with low scores. Sometimes you can win here with a one-digit uh, under par. So I like I like challenging golf courses where where you don't go 25, almost 30 under, where a few events happen. So yeah, I I always enjoy coming here at Honda. Uh, I'm able to stay at my house, sleep on my own bed, which is amazing. And yeah, it's just another fun week. I'm gonna try to do my best try to get reset on my mindset and try to start all again
0: Joaquin when Trevor Immelman texted you after the win how many exclamation marks were included in the text was it like 30 40 were there multiple emojis how excited was he
6: (laughs) yeah it was a little bit of everything there was some emojis there and yeah (laughs) yeah there were yeah it's Trevor is the best I mean we we're having a lot of dinners with him lately with the team Uh, Try to get it all, you know, uh, get it to know a little bit better with the, with the players. And, yeah, I just can't wait for, for the President's Cup this year. It's going to be so much fun. And I think we're, we're going to get ready, and we're doing, we're doing great so far. So hopefully we get more wins for the international team and get that win at the President's Cup. We
0: can't wait to watch it. It was so fun to watch you play, man. What an unbelievable performance at Riviera. Congrats on the victory. Hopefully more to come in 2022. Thank you. And speaking of the President's Cup, today the President's Cup announced a new event set to take place during the tournament's media day on August 29th. The Charlie Sifford Centennial Cup will feature six of the country's top men's golf programs at historically black colleges and universities competing in an exhibition match under President's Cup format and routing at the host course Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, we've talked a lot about the bear trap on the show already, and we're going to dive into some bear trap trivia. Amen and I are going to face off. Amen's going to win. I'm going to lose. That's how this works. We'll be back. The
1: intimidating bear, the bear trap. A couple of balls already in the water today. The sound says it all. So difficult to navigate your way around
3: 15, 16, and 17 here. At the bear trap?
4: Is it gonna stop? No. Can you believe it? This 15 hole <coughs> is just relentless. So
0: it's a bear trap for a reason. It's tough, it's nasty. You get through with pars and you're smiling your way to 18T. A lickett scored a par at the bear trap since two thousand and seven that's a lot of quintuple bogeys that's a word we don't even say on the show that much I write it on my scorecard fairly often Shane all right so we've got some some bear trap trivia okay a little bear trap trivia these are questions that Eamon and I have not seen yet and question number one. We'll start out a fairly simple one. How many over par did the Bear Trap play last season? Eamon, I'll let you have the first guess. I need my calculator
2: here. You've got 150 guys playing it twice. That's three. Well, So you're going to go through the math right now just
0: out loud? 450.
2: I'm going to say it's going to play last season 95 over.
0: I'll say 214 over par is my guess. What is the answer? What is the answer for how many over par it played? Uh, I mean... 230, I feel like that was a decent guess. Decent? 230? Decent. I, I mean bogey that. on one of the holes. All right, since 07, how many balls have fell in the water in the bear trap? Oh, it's got to be enormous. Since 07? Seven. 14 years. I can't even count this high.
2: I'm going to say it is 297.
0: <laughs> Just pulling it out there. <laughs> well, maybe you should have wrote down some numbers before. A couple I'll, of them might be mine. I'll go 400. I'll go 400 balls in the water. What's the what's the number here? Oh my goodness, we weren't even close. 1604. What'd you guess? Who said these guys are good? Wait, you said suck. You said 200? Yeah. Well, get them off the set. (laughs) Let's get them off the set. Awful, awful. Since 07, one player has dunked 17 balls. Wow, this is just not even a nice question. One player has dunked 17 balls in the water at the bear trap. Who is that player? I think I know
2: this. I have a feeling. In the back of my head, I want to say Ryan Palmer
0: might have the worst record on the Bear Trap. Oh my goodness! You randomly got that right. We were it lurked in the back of my head from years ago. We haven't ding on I'm, this show ever. We I'm, never got an answer correct. On you the know first how
2: pass. I love misery and
0: trauma. <laughs> we got this another. This is my stuff. We got another ding. Double ding for Amen. All right, uh, this player six under in his career at the Bear Trap. Who would that be? I'll, I'll guess you're, you're thinking. I'll guess I'm going to go guess Sung Jae. I feel like Sung Jae's always plays the bear trap well. I'm going to go. It's Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin is a random guess. Mm. Sung Jae is a random guess. guess. Both oh, are wrong. incredibly incorrect. The answer, of course, is Russell Knox. I am. I'm beside myself that you got Ryan Palmer. There's a reason you're the genius a, of this sport.
2: There are some things that just lurk in the back of my agitated, anguished mind I, and. <sighs> The guy who's put the most number of balls in the bear trap?
0: That's my sweet spot. Ryan Palmer, we apologize on the program for bringing that up. And one of the great transitions ever written on this show, from bears to cobras in this edition of the Equipment Room presented by PGA Tour Superstore. Matt Adams highlights the latest Cobra LTDX driver.
3: We've got an absolute ton to go through with you today because we're talking about this Absolute beast, Cobra's LTDX family of metalwoods. So let's start by talking tech with this LTDX driver. Now this is built for faster ball speed and it's engineered with extreme forgiveness. The way they've done this is a construction that uses the balance of front and back weights for low spin, speed, and forgiveness all in one. The primary technologies include the Power Core weight system, which positions 19 grams as far forward as possible right behind the face. That creates faster ball speed and it reduces spin. Then a 15 gram weight is fixed in the back to balance low spin with high launch and extreme forgiveness. Next is the Hot Face, which was designed by cr- using machine learning. This data of thousands of impact simulations created 15 different zones of variable thickness that are machine milled to max out ball speed across a large area of the face. Each of these zones can be precisely tuned. And then finally, a multi-material construction that uses 30% more carbon fiber in a lightweight carbon crown and sole plate and a lighter and stronger titanium chassis, allowing for more weight low and forward. The LS driver? Well, that stands for low spin, and it's accomplished through the addition of two forward adjustable weights to create lower and more penetrating ball flight. It's more workable as a result. It is a traditional shape with a deeper face. Now, Cobra calls the max driver the most forgiving in the family with two adjustable weights that can be positioned back for a neutral to slight draw flight or Set in the heel and adjusted also on the hosel so that you can draw it up to get this 18 yards of draw bias, according to Cobra. The LTDX Fairway Metalwood family is also well balanced, just like its siblings. It has the power core technology, the front and back weighting, the hot face design, and a carbon crown. The three woods are without rails. The LS is a low spin model with more weight forward in the power core in a tour shape and an adjustable weight technology. And the Max is about a draw bias. Now, the five and seven woods, they do feature the rails. The LTDX family from Cobra aspire to give you the best of both worlds, low spin and speed, while providing you with maximum forgiveness.
2: Well, Shane, one guy who didn't have to wrestle with a bear trap was Todd Hamilton. And that's because he won the 2004 Honda Classic across the street at Mirasol. Todd is standing by and will join us for a past champions chat. Coming up
0: back on Golf Today, PGA Tour heading to Florida, coverage of the Honda Classic from PGA National gets underway Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern right here on golf. Make sure you watch it. Pay attention to it. It is a great watch each and every year. Go back to 04 it's when Todd Hamilton picked up his first PGA Tour title at the Honda Classic. A look at Todd Hamilton's career before that Honda Classic. Played at Oklahoma, turned pro in 87, 11 times a winner on the Japan Golf Tour. Finished tied for 16th in 03 at Q School. 38-year-old rookie in 04, and he had himself a 2004. This a flashback. Last hole, Todd Hamilton He took down some Giants in 4 I'll say that. Tied with Davis Love, the third, throws a dart. I think Avon and I could have made that one. Has to make it for Birdie to win. And a very nice walk, you see the shrug here. And that, what a finish. Fist pump, as one should do. And a great moment anytime you see somebody pick up a PGA Tour victory and fast forward to Royal Troon and the open Todd Hamilton after taking down Davis Love the third at the Honda beats Ernie Els in a four hole playoff to go on to be named the 2004 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year thanks to the two victories including the Claret Jug time now for past champ Chad Todd Hamilton joins us and Todd uh, kind of seeing some of those memories From 04 over the course of that final round, I wanted to take you through some of the highlights from that final round as well throughout the day. I know you were the 54-hole leader going in to that final round. How are the nerves going in to that Sunday?
5: I actually felt pretty good. I was playing well, putting and chipping well, which is what you need to do to to win on tour. Uh, I remember the the final round, I parted the first hole, and uh, Frederick Jakobson, my playing partner bogeyed. And I had a five shot lead with 17 holes to go. And I thought man this this might be easier than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Lo and behold nothing ever works out like that on the PGA Tour. Well
0: let's flash back. We'll start at the par for ninth on that Sunday back in 2004 at the Honda Classic you putting for par to maintain a two shot lead.
5: Yeah that was uh, one I'd like to have had there. Obviously you can't make them all but.
0: Still take, make the turn. You're still a leader by one. That at the 13th, another par putt that didn't go in. That dropped the 10 under. Now you're a co leader with Davis Love, the third, but then putt started to drop, Todd. Yeah, I actually played
5: quite well on the front nine. I shot three over, but I felt like I played pretty good. Uh, got around to 17 and saw a leaderboard and saw that I was uh, about time. 17 was a par five. that was playing downwind. I knew if I hit a good drive, I could reach it in two and hit a good drive, uh, ended up hitting a seven iron, just short of the green. Ended up hitting it up and down, making about an eight to 10 footer there, and uh, got to 18, I knew if I birdied I would win, hit a good drive there, and it was an odd, an odd venue because our last hole was actually the last hole of the previous year's tournament. It was on a different golf course, so it was a better finishing hole, I guess, than, uh, than the one that went to the course that we were playing
0: birdie at the 17th at the approach at the 18th nearly knocking down the flagstick there I love the smile after the the ball landed. it's just one of those I'm doing this thing I'm doing it the right way.
5: Yeah it was one of those you hit right in line with the pin you don't know if it's 20 feet short 20 feet long they all look pretty close and it it seemed like the the closer I got to the hole the closer the ball was to the hole so it was a good feeling obviously had to make a good putt on the last hole and uh, uh, one of those you you work all your life to to make a putt like that to be a champion on the PGA Tour. And fortunately for me, I made a good stroke on it and went right
0: in the hole. How important was the Honda in terms of your two thousand and four? Because of course the moment of your career came throughout the summer there in two thousand and four. But how important was the Honda for the confidence and really showing who you are out there on the PGA Tour?
5: Well, I played quite well my last year in Japan, which was in oh three, won four events. So. I was playing with a lot of confidence. I didn't really get off to a great start on tour and uh, just out of the blue started playing well at the Honda classic. Uh, Definitely was good for my confidence. It, you know, you, as a rookie, you want to get your uh, work done early. So you don't have to fret with trying to keep your card later on in the year. And uh, to do, to do that early in March and get it to your exemption for that and, and have the whole rest of the year to, you know, work on things and and work on getting more victories was a, was a great feeling. And uh, as I said, my confidence level was up for my play in Japan the previous year. So I just was kind of riding that the whole year in 2004.
2: Todd, people tend to think of rookies as the kids coming straight out of college who haven't been in that position before. But you were 38 years old in 2004 when you were a rookie on the tour. How much value was there in those 11 wins on the Japan Golf Tour so that you weren't exactly uncomfortable in that position when you got there at the Honda?
5: Yeah, I think it gave me a great advantage. As you said, I was 38. I was kind of like the, the Ichiro Rookie of the Year in, <laughs> on the PGA Tour. Uh, obviously, winning breeds winning. I know that the tournaments or the, uh, the people in Japan are not up to the level on the PGA Tour. But uh, again, winning breeds winning, whether it's a junior golf championship, club championship, whatever, you get that confidence going, you feel like you can't do anything wrong. And uh, 2003, by, by winning four events in 2003, provided me the confidence to do what I did in 2004 on the PGA Tour.
0: Todd you took down Davis Love the third and Ernie Els I mean you could have had an easier road to your first two victories including a major championship what's it like when you look back on 04, knowing you know you had two superstars that you're able to defeat
5: well you're right there's two great players there uh, obviously better than I was if you were betting you would never bet on me to win either one of those events but uh, looking back that 2004 year sometimes it seems like it's only happened two years ago, and other times it seems like it's been 50 years ago. So uh, it was great for me. Uh, I'd always wanted to get on the PGA Tour. I came from a small town, grew up on a nine-hole golf course. I always thought if if a person could get on the PGA Tour, uh, they've accomplished a great deal. Uh, by winning my first year, I never would have thought that would happen. I I would have thought it would take in a year or two, but. Uh, Again, I think looking back on my time I spent overseas, grinding, uh, winning events over there on the Asian tour, on the Japanese tour, I think that allowed me to do what I did in 2004.
2: Todd, what has the journey been like since that standout year with the two victories, including the major in 2004?
5: What has the journey been like?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where has your career taken you in this in the years since?
5: Well... It- it never really panned out like I thought it would after that year in 2004. Uh, obviously winning the Open Championship later on that summer allowed me a five-year exemption. So I was able to, to, to stay on tour for a while. Uh, I never, never really lived up to what I thought I could do. Uh,
0: I enjoyed my time out there
5: and uh, just wish it would have went a little bit different.
0: Todd, how often do players come up to you after 4 and ask you how to hit the hybrid uh, bump and run?
5: Not too many. You know, I saw guys do that with three woods, and uh, I was using a hybrid as my three woods, so it just seemed like a a pretty simple shot. Uh, It's foolproof. I think anybody could do it. Uh, You just have to get used to doing it. Most people hit it way too hard when they first start. Uh, But I think the loft of that hybrid compared to using a putter is very beneficial, especially uh, grasses such as Bermuda or Zoysia grass, where you need a little bit of loft to get that ball to start rolling over the top of the grass. Uh, again, it's a foolproof shot. I wish people would would use it more often.
0: There were two moments in my very young golfing career. One was the Tiger wedge at Pebble. I went to my instructor and said, how do you hit that shot. And after the 4 open I went to my instructor and said how do you bump and run with a hybrid. I will still never forget that experience around Royal Tree. And it was so fun to chat with you about that win at the Honda. We appreciate the time.
5: Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
0: Todd Hamilton 4 Honda Classic winner. And just last month we lost our colleague and friend Tim Rosefort. The Honda Classic was near and dear to Rosie's heart as he covered the event for more than three Decades, the tournament naming the media center after him. In 2021, additionally, the Honda Classic created an award in Rosafort's honor, the Tim Rosafort Distinguished Riders Award. In 2021, Rosafort was named the first recipient of the award by the tournament. Today, the Honda Classic announced Larry Dorman as the 2022 recipient of this award. Dorman covered golf on both the local and national levels for four publications, including the Miami Herald as well as The New York Times. His career started in the late 70s until he retired from The Times in 2011. A close friend of Rosa Ford Storman said today, quote, it's an award I never presumed I would win and the one I certainly will cherish the rest of my days.